Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. So we are wrapping up our Advent sermon series because as Pastor Jonathan said, next week is Lessons and Carols. So there'll be no sermon next week. We'll just be participating through music, preparing ourselves for Christmas and for the arrival of our Lord Jesus. But during this season, we've been looking at how John the Baptist prepared people for Jesus's earthly ministry, looking at Mark chapter 1, 4. So I'm going to read Mark 1, 4. I'm going to read it twice, and then I invite you to join with me in prayer. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Once again, John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Please pray with me. Lord, we come before you asking now for your forgiveness, Lord. We've already confessed and we already know that you forgive us, Lord. But more than just your forgiveness, we ask that we would recognize ourselves in light of your forgiveness. We would define ourselves in light of your forgiveness. That the truth that we are forgiven would take over all of our lives, Lord. So we ask that you speak to us now through your scriptures. Help us to understand what it is we're forgiven of, Lord. And Lord... Meet us now in this place. We ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So again, we're looking at John the Baptist, and looking at how John the Baptist prepared people for Jesus' earthly ministry. Remember, John the Baptist was that preacher who was out in the wilderness, wearing funny clothes, eating bugs, and calling people to this baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And he did all of this because his life's mission was to prepare people for Jesus. That was what John lived for. And during the season of Advent, we prepare ourselves for Jesus' return. So we've been looking at this baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Two weeks ago, we talked about baptism. We talked about what it is, what the Holy Spirit does in the midst of baptism, how the Holy Spirit cleanses someone so that they can be part of the church, the body of Christ in this world. And then last week, we talked about repentance and that idea of turning away from something, being on a path, walking in a direction where you are walking towards harm, you're walking towards death, you're walking towards destruction, and you turn around and you walk away. And how it's the faith that God gives us that allows us to repent of things. And it's the truth that we know we are forgiven that allows us to repent. And this week, we're focusing on the forgiveness of sins that third part of John's message, baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, what exactly is forgiveness? That's actually one of the easiest questions to answer of the Bible. Forgiveness is a financial metaphor. You rack up a big debt, and then that debt is washed away, and you don't have to pay back anything that you owed. Forgiveness means you don't owe anything. That's where the word comes from. And it's Greek and Hebrew terms all refer to that basic idea also. Somebody racks up a debt, it's forgiven, you don't have to pay it, you don't owe anything anymore. So that part of John's message is actually pretty simple, so we can all go home, right? Uh-uh. Because that second part, 
sins. That's one of those words that we hear all the time, we talk about all the time. But what exactly is sin? What is sin? Most of the time, the way we talk about sin is focused on specific behaviors. We think that there's like a set of behaviors and those behaviors constitute what sin is. But the Bible talks about sin very differently than that. Sin is much more complicated in Scripture. It's much more interesting also. And whenever we talk about sin, especially when we start tying it to specific behaviors, we have to be careful. Because throughout the church's history, you can go back, and at any given point, there are Christians who attach specific behaviors to sin, then defined other Christians by what they believed was sin, and then harmed them, sometimes killed them, based on an understanding of sin and labeling someone a sinner. So you have to be careful when talking about sin. Classic examples of this, the Inquisition. Certain types of people were labeled sinners, and they were killed. Or the one that I regularly bring up here, the Salem witch trials. Young girls were labeled a certain type of sinner, a witch. And they were murdered by Christians. So whenever we talk about sin, we have to be careful. And recognizing the way the Bible talks about sin, I think can help us to have a little more humility and deepen our understanding of what exactly it is we are forgiven of. So looking at forgiveness of sins, a good place to look at it to really understand what John the Baptist's message was is the Bible, surprisingly enough. The Bible, though, like I said, it talks about sin in a much more complicated way. There's actually multiple metaphors the Bible uses when talking about what sin is. Because sin isn't something tangible that I can just point to. It's something that we have to use metaphors, comparisons to other things that we understand better to understand it. The Bible doesn't have one consistent metaphor. And the Bible also doesn't just teach that sin is behavior and behavior is sin. It's more than that. So, We're going to actually look at multiple of the Bible's metaphors for sin right now. So if you like words, this is a great sermon for you. If not, just bear with me till the end, okay? I will wrap it up. But when you look at the Old Testament, the most common metaphor, the, the most common way of understanding sin, the biblical idea of sin, is that sin is a burden. It's something you carry. It's a burden that is placed upon you. So Leviticus 24, 15 is a common example of this. If you look at it in your English Bible, it'll say that anyone who curses God incurs guilt. But in the Hebrew, that verb incurs, it's actually carries. And this is the most common metaphor for sin in the Bible. In fact, the next closest to it, there's a six to one ratio. More often than not, sin is talked about as a burden, something you carry, something that is placed upon your back. And when God forgives sin, in the Old Testament, it's most often that God lifts sin. God takes that burden off of you. Now think about that. The sin isn't the behavior. The sin is the consequence of the behavior in that understanding. The sin weighs you down. 
The sin stops you from living life to its fullest. And God's the one who lifts it in that understanding. The next closest one, next most common metaphor in the Old Testament is sin as a transaction. This is that financial metaphor. You can see this in Isaiah 65, uh, verse 6. It says, See it is written before me. I will not keep silent, but I will repay. I will indeed repay into their laps their iniquities. Iniquities is one of those sin words that's used. This is that idea that the sin is the debt. You pile up this debt. And then God forgives that debt. This is common in the Psalms also. Anytime you hear of an accounting of debt, an accounting of iniquities, that's the metaphor. The picture is that God is sitting there writing this down. In fact, it says in that thing, see, it is written before me. It's like God has this ledger of what's owed. That's another metaphor used for sin. And again, the sin itself, it's not just the individual actions. It's also the debt that is accrued. The sin is bigger than just individual actions. Another common metaphor, Isaiah 65, 2. I held out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices, following, walking. Sin is a path that you're on. It's a path, a direction that you're walking in. And you have to walk in a different direction, find a different path that leads you to good, that leads you to God. This is so common in Proverbs and the Psalms. But sin is a path that you walk on. And again, it's more than just individual actions. It's more than just specific actions. Those are a part of it, but there's more to it than that. Isaiah 118 has another metaphor for sin, stain. Isaiah 118 says, If your sins are like scarlet, will they become like snow? If they are red like crimson, will they become like wool? The sins there aren't just the actions, but they're also the consequence of the actions. They're the way the actions dirty something up. They're the way the actions destroy something. They make it not white as snow any longer. You start to see that the way the Bible talks about sin, the metaphors that are used, it's not just that sin is bad behavior. There's something more going on. There's consequences. There's effects. There's things that are passed down even. Sin is much greater than just individual actions. You jump to the New Testament, and all of a sudden we have almost a completely different set of metaphors for sin. In the New Testament, particularly in the Gospels, sin is equated with physical ailments. How many stories are there in the Gospels where somebody can't walk, somebody has some sort of physical illness, ailment, and the way Jesus heals them is to say, your sins are forgiven, and then they can walk. There's this connection between the sin and the physical ailment. And when Jesus forgives sin, it's all healed. Again, the sin isn't specific behaviors. It's the consequence of the behaviors also. And there's the other one of, in the, the New Testament, as sin as bond or indebtedness. The, the same one that we saw in the Old Testament, this one carries over. Colossians 2.14, Paul writes, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands. It's that same idea. That there's a record. There's a debt. There's something that we have been accruing that needs to be forgiven. And with that is this other idea that Jesus hints at that might make some of us a little uncomfortable. You incur this debt 
But at times, Jesus seems to say that if you give away money, you start to lower that debt. It might rub our theology a little wrong, but it's hard to argue that Jesus isn't saying that in places. Matthew 19, talking to the rich young ruler. Rich young ruler begins this conversation saying, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And what does Jesus say? Follow the commandments. And then Jesus says at the end, this, if you wish to be perfect, sell all you have and give to the poor. Now we can theologize that so that fits our reformed understanding, but the plain, simplest understanding of the text is that Jesus is saying, sell your possessions and give to the poor to do the things that require eternal life. Now, I don't think he's saying earn salvation. It's a little more complicated than that. But there is this tying together of those ideas. And then this last one in Romans. Paul talks about sin as though it's almost this cosmic force that is making decisions. The sin, the body of death. There's the body of Christ, and then there's the body of death. In Romans 5 through 8 especially, Paul talks about sin as though it's almost this force that affects us and that our individual sins support this force of sin greater and that the sin greater then leads us to do more sins and there's this back and forth that goes on. And then Paul says, who will deliver me from this body of sin, this body of death? Now, if you feel overwhelmed... That's okay. You should a little bit. Because the idea of sin, sin personified, the idea of sin in general, all these different metaphors, it should make us walking away from the Bible, realizing sin is very complicated. And in response to the question, what is sin? Well, I'm just going to confess, I don't have a simple answer for you. You could spend your whole life trying to study the many different terms that all get translated as sin in Greek and Hebrew, how they're used, and you won't get a clear, concise answer of what sin is. Not from the Bible. But that's okay. In fact, I think the more we recognize that, the better off we are. Because the truth is, a lot of times, the problems with sin that leads to us labeling a certain person a sinner and excluding them or harming them or doing damage to them because of our view of their sin, most of that comes from pride, our own pride that thinks that we have it figured out, that we can judge a human being, that because of the way we read the Bible, we can somehow pronounce judgment on somebody else now. But when you look at the Bible closely... When you look at the way sin is talked about, you should walk away with a deep sense of humility, acknowledging we don't have it all figured out. We don't know exactly what sin is. So we don't get to define other people by the sin in their lives. That's one lesson we should walk away with from this. But there's another lesson here too. And this, to me, is the gospel. There's a lot of talk about sin, and we have to talk about sin. We have to do so carefully, because the Bible does so rather carefully. We have to do so with humility, because that's the way the Bible teaches us to talk about it, with humility. 
So we have to talk about sin, but we always have to recognize sin is not the point of the gospel. When John the Baptist came here to prepare people for Jesus, he didn't say that he was preaching a baptism of repentance and sin. It was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. And while sin is a part of the gospel, it is not the point. The point of the gospel is the forgiveness. The point of the gospel is not sin. It's what God did in response to sin. The point of the gospel is Jesus. God in human form, born into this world to suffer with us, to suffer for us, to sacrifice himself for us so that we could be forgiven. That's the point of the gospel. And any time we want to talk about sin, we also have to talk about forgiveness. Any time you want to lift up sin as an idea, you have to talk about forgiveness as well. That's the message of the Gospels. It can be easy to get caught up in sin, both as an idea in our own lives, but the point of the Gospel is you are forgiven. And that's what we rest in. John the Baptist did not come here preaching sin. He came here to preach forgiveness of sin so that we could rest in that, so that we could trust in that. And it's an understanding our identity as people forgiven by God that we are able to follow Jesus. When we lose that identity, when we start focusing on our own sin or other people's sin, then we lose sight of all that God has done for us and we lose sight of the gospel. John the Baptist preached forgiveness of sins so that people could be prepared for what Jesus was about to do. People could be prepared for Jesus showing them what life lived sinless looks like, showing them how deep God's love for them was by going to the cross, showing them the lengths to which God would go to overcome death and sin by resurrecting Jesus all so that you could be forgiven, all so the person next to you could be forgiven, all so that your enemy could be forgiven, so that could be freely offered to the world. That's the gospel. That's what John the Baptist prepares us for. And the day Jesus returns is, when the, is the day when we will realize the depths of God's forgiveness and God's embrace of us. So may you remember that sin is more than just behaviors. It's very complicated. May you remember that whatever sin is, you are forgiven of it. That God embraces you, that God loves you, that God holds you. Please pray with me. Lord, help us to embrace your forgiveness. Lord, help us to not define ourselves or define others by sin. Help us to recognize that while we can see examples of sin, it's hard to know exactly what it is. While we can see it popping up in our lives and the lives of others, it's hard to know exactly what it is, Lord. But we know that whatever sin is, you've forgiven us of it. Help us to trust in that. Help us to believe in that. Help us to rest in that. Help us to find our faith in that. And we will proclaim your gospel, Lord. Help us to not just proclaim sin, but to proclaim the forgiveness that you extend to this world. 
Come